0: Welcome to the Mom Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed
1: with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. We are here with Dr. Robin Buckley. It's such a pleasure to have her here with us. Dr. Buckley helps high-achieving individuals thrive in their careers and relationships. She is an author, professional speaker, and cognitive behavioral coach who works with executive women and high performance couples. Dr. Buckley has a PhD in clinical psychology and served as a doctoral professor and dissertation chair for students in business, leadership, education, and healthcare. She has published two books and is a columnist for several well-known publications. Her proprietary coaching model uses a business framework and cognitive behavioral strategies to support clients in creating and executing concrete strategic plans for developing their careers and relationships. Dr. Buckley, it's such an honor to have you here with us. Thank you, Cindy. It's great to be
2: here with you and Chrissy.
1: I had the privilege of introducing you and giving you your academic accolades and your professional (laughs) accolades, but we would really like to know you more. If you could take about two minutes or so, and just talk to us a little bit about who you are, because obviously you're more than your professional career and what you do academically. You know, you're a mom, I know that, and if you're having any struggles there as a, a parent or a caretaker <laughs> or anything, we're just going to set give you the floor for just a, a few minutes. And sure. Tell us about yourself.
2: Yeah, as you said, I'm a, a mom of four, a blended family. I'm married to my Best friend. He was my best friend for twenty years before we were married, and uh, we blended our families Brady Bunch style. He had two boys. I had two girls. And (laughs) yeah, you said any struggles as a parent? Just as a parent, there are. Yeah, being a parent is a struggle. It's one. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, Besides, uh, my PhD was hard, but it's nothing to being a parent. And which is why I'm probably so proud of the TED Talk that I did because it really speaks to some of those unexpected challenges of being a parent that is not written in some kind of imaginary parenting manual and it you have to sometimes do things on the fly and that probably summarizes one of my basic tenets in life that my mom taught me which is there's always a solution and you just keep working until you find the solution it might not be the solution you expected And the TED Talk definitely spoke to that, but there's always a solution and things, life is typically fixable in almost every area. And so that's a big mantra for me and what I try and really help my clients work on and achieve. We're going to talk a little bit
1: to your TED Talk later, but we also (laughs) want to give you a congratulations because that TED Talk went into the TED Talk stage. Tell us a little about that. Real quick, yeah,
2: like it was so it was uh, on my bucket list. It was something that my o- oldest older son and I had talked about years ago. Like, mom, what do you really want to do? And I said, I re- someday I want to do. I want to be on the TED stage, and so I had applied, did a TEDx talk, which are the local based talks. Um, mine happened to be in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Gave a talk to an audience of a thousand in a wonderful historic theater in May of 2022. And it, it got a lot of hits and a lot of views. And then beginning of the summer of 2023, um, the TED organization reached out to the organizers of the TEDx uh, event and myself and said, "We want to pull it onto the TED stage, which means global exposure. And you know, it's where Brene Brown started and Esther Perel and some of my my you know big women I admire. And um, so that was brought onto the TED stage two, maybe three weeks ago, and it's at a half a million views, so that's kind of exciting. Oh my gosh, that's (laughs) so fantastic. That is
0: amazing. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. Such a huge win.
2: Thank you. It really, it is. It really is definitely in my list of things I'm really proud of in my life. I, I really am proud of that, that achievement, so.
0: Absolutely, as you should be. Um, I and it is such an amazing TED Talk. I can absolutely see why they pulled it up to the main stage. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we we will dive into and talk about that more later. I absolutely loved the TED Talk. But I get to ask a fun quirky question cool. and it's completely random. I'm just going to have you choose a number between 1 and 10 and we're going to pull it randomly out of my my book here. 7. I like the number 7 too. Okay. <laughs> Ah, okay. What is the craziest thing you've ever asked Siri or Alexa or whoever your person is?
2: Oh my goodness. What is the craziest thing I've ever asked? Maybe oh, we should God. rephrase it and say, what's the
1: craziest thing your kids have asked? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because. Well, and in my, my kids- house, oh. you're asking a lot there. So my, mm-hmm. I think she'll be okay. Yeah, I know she will because we've had this kind of. So my older daughter, she asked, "What is the safest way to use a dildo?" To Alexa. Good for her. Yeah, yes. Yeah. This is was... this is in line with the TED Talk we'll be talking about. This is yep, perfect. It's, it's right in line with it. And um she didn't do it for information because she was a little bit older at that point. We've had we had had the talk and and follow up talks and. Uh, She had access to lots of different opportunities for her sexual wellness in terms of devices. But she said, I'm really curious if Google and Amazon and all those people like really consider female sexual wellness, which tells you she was like an older teen at that point. And she said, so I'm just going to ask. I'm like, go ahead. So she asked, I'm like, oh my God, I hope whoever listens, FBI or whatever conspiracy theory people buy into, I'm like, I hope they're (laughs) listening (laughs) So yep, yep, if you if you bring in my kids, that's that's the craziest thing that's on our, our Alexa history.
0: <laughs> I'm intrigued and I want to know the answer. So I might have to go ask ask Siri Alexa that myself. But I,
2: I appreciate it, you know, she was we were being funny and we were just having a, a really great conversation, but I appreciated that thought process of, you know, I wanna see if women's sexual wellness is considered as part of these algorithms and considered just a normal a good question to ask and get information yes. about and I and this was before AI was really a thing and really more uh, more mainstream and I really appreciated not only that she asked the question but but she, the reason why she asked the question I'm like, okay, that's do you remember what popped up, what populated with it? You know I don't, which I know sounds crazy, but our
0: house. No, I I actually was like I probably wouldn't have remembered. That's why I was like I'll have to go go do it. But maybe you did. So okay.
2: Yeah, (laughs) these are the kind of questions that come up really often in my house and Uh, topics that we talk about. So it's not unusual for that to be like yeah go ahead see what happens. But it was it was funny that she even considered that being a source of information, which I think for a lot of people it is. So good.
1: Good for her. How old is she now? She's twenty. Okay. Did she go into the health field? She
2: has not. So she is exploring her options, which is a nice way of saying, trying to figure her stuff out. Of course, like every 20 year old. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm okay with that. You know, people will of course automatically say um, we have a 20 year old daughter and an 18 year old daughter. Our sons are out of the college, although my oldest son is in law school now, but you know, they'll say, so what what college are they going to and what are they going to major in? And I'm like, well, one is, but she's deferring a year. And the other one, College, I don't think is the right thing for her. And I I got to tell you, this is such a sticking point for me in our society. Like college is not the end all and be all. And I'm saying that Absolutely. as someone who went to college and got a higher degree. And I hate that society puts that as like the the ideal because it puts so much pressure on kids to then, oh, I have to go to college. And if they don't go to college or if they go to a community college or junior college, somehow that's lesser. And I'm like, that is a BS Mm constructs. Like there are so many options and you have to find the one that feels right for you at that time, but forcing kids, Oh my God, at 18 to figure out a college, all that expense, whether it's them, them paying or their parents, what they're going to major in for the rest of their lives. I'm like, that is ridiculous. (laughs) So I agree. 100%. mm -hmm. Yes. I think I changed my major five times when I was in school. Yeah. 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 Oh, gap years are looking better and better. Aren't they? Absolutely. I was so excited for my 18 year old when she was like, she got in, she got accepted. She got almost a full ride to school. And she's like, I want to see if I can defer for a year. I'm like, what do you want to do with that year? She's like, I want to travel. And I said, okay, clearly I am not going to pay for that. Like whatever you want to do is great, but you're going to fund yourself. She's like, I'm going to work and I'm going to save up enough money to try and hit three different places. And that's what she's doing. And I'm like, that's great. That's really great.
1: Is this the same daughter that asked Siri, the question to no, my other daughter. <laughs> you got some smart kids. You <laughs> have some
0: smart
2: kids. I agree. Yeah.
1: Well, Dr. Robin, like we've already said, you have a PhD in clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. I have to say this all again because it, it, you should be so proud. You're an author, a professional speaker, cognitive behavioral coach, and you work with executive women and high performance couples.
2: Yeah.
1: And one of your best titles is, is Mom. On your website, it states that you used your background to create a proprietary coaching model that uses a business framework and cognitive behavioral strategies to support clients in creating and executing concrete strategic plans for developing their careers and relationships. Oh my gosh, that is a mouthful. So let's break it down. We would love for you to break it down for us. Explain what all of this means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you mean when you say you have a proprietary model that you use with couples? Um, Can you talk to us about your business
2: framework? All of that. We'd love it. So when I talk about relationships, particularly our committed relationships, Disney and Hallmark have framed most of what males and females have this construct around relationships, that they happen And it's fate. And, you know, then you just kind of are in the relationship. And that's what's going to bring you love and satisfaction. And that is ridiculous. Everything in our life has a plan. Everything. We plan for most of us. I shouldn't say everyone. Most of us plan when we're going to have kids or how we're going to have kids. And our plans don't always work. But, like, we have plans. We have, we we set professional goals. We have a plan for how we're going to organize parts of our life except most of us don't have a plan for our relationships. And what I mean by that is we get into our relationships and then we just wing it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we would never do that in anything else that's important to us. We would have a plan. So when I talk about Disney and Hallmark, as lovely and fun as they are, they don't really show the the dedication it takes to make a relationship work. The other thing I've learned when, when I worked with a lot of these incredibly powerful women is they are so good in their roles as leaders in terms of you know how to use skills to enhance connections and to build communication and to achieve goals and to organize you know the their businesses or their their teams and then they cross through the 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 door of their home and into their committed relationship and for many it goes out the window they forget all the things that they're really good at and they don't apply them in their relationships so i help couples think about their relationship like a business. In fact, I call it marriage LLC and whether you're married or not, doesn't matter. It's just the committed relationship. And how can you use some of these really wonderfully effective professional skills in your relationship? Because when people say to me, but Robin, it's different. Like it's a relationship. It's not me at work. I'm like, there's no difference. You're the same person. Why can't you just apply things? So we talk about things like titles. Titles are really important at work because then people are clearly in their lane, they know what they're in charge of. often it's around their expertise and so I have them talk about titles at home and we use business titles who's the c o o who creates the organization the, the organizational culture in your house for I think stereotypically and for many households, it's the mom or the the you know one specific member of the relationship that kind of creates that that culture. And keeps the collaterals within that organization connected, collaterals being children or pets or dependents, whoever's in the house. We talk about the CFO who really heads up the finances, not that they have the sole say of the finances, they just have the oversight. And then they bring in the other decision maker to have conversations around it. So we structure, we talk about a mission statement for your relationship, which no couple ever has. Every organization has a mission statement because we know mission statements keep people grounded and focused and provide the compass for an organization. Most couples don't have a mission statement, which is astounding because it can work as well. So, I use a lot of business. You don't have to have an MBA from Harvard to do this program. It's using kind of the basic foundational pieces of effective business management and applying it to the relationship. And what that does is it helps us react in more strategic ways around something very emotional and very personal instead of reactive ways which is often what creates some some problems for couples this episode
1: of mama needs a moment is sponsored by camp gladiator camp gladiator is a health and fitness platform for all ages and fitness levels they provide workouts that are designed and trained by certified personal trainers whether that is through their outdoor fitness platform, live online workouts, or through their on-demand library. They also have certified nutrition coaches and registered dietitians who offer
0: nutrition coaching. I love working out with Camp Gladiator and have been for almost a year now. I think one of the things I love most is the positive environment and community that not only works out together, but also becomes a family outside of camp while supporting and giving back to the community. CG members can participate in an unlimited number of workouts each month, and the super fun outdoor workouts include dumbbells along with other fitness toys, which are my favorite, the balls, the bands, the ropes, the fire hoses, so much fun. And the virtual workouts use dumbbells and other things that can be easily found around your home. Camp Gladiator
1: members have a primary trainer that will keep you motivated, accountable, and We'll be there to do all they can to help you get the most out of your fitness journey.
0: CG is also great for moms. I can't remember how many camps I've been to where I've seen moms with their children in tow, whether in a carrier, a stroller. Plus you'll see older children working out alongside their parent, which is always awesome to see. Sometimes they even use their children as an extra weight or just to bring them into the movements because they want to.
1: They have an amazing number of workouts that are offered all throughout the day. You can catch outdoor and live online workouts from 5 a.m. until 10 p.m. And the on-demand ones are available 24 hours a day. Anyone can join Camp Gladiator for a full week of free workouts. Get your free week using the link in the show notes. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Thanks. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. Who would have thought that just putting a label on it? I mean, sometimes we try to use labels as a comfort, something for comfort. Um, I tried on being a vegan for four and a half years. You know, you try things on to try to have that define you, but in this particular situation, I think it's beneficial because it also delineates roles. It delineates what each person is responsible for, or, you know,
2: Right, what they're taking on. Yeah. Like a sim- really simple one. We taught, I mean, we get into minutiae. So I'm like, who's the fleet manager who oversees all the trans, like the, the units of transportation in, in your family. Because if you're like my husband and I, when we didn't do that, there was one year when our Jeep wasn't registered for eight months, oh. like eight months. It just, <laughs> it, it happened by both of our calendars. I got pulled over the wonderfully nice Cops said, Do you know I could impound your Jeep? And you and I'm like, oh my, nope. And he's like, Is this a is this a financial issue? I'm like, nope. <laughs> like this is literally one of us thought the other was doing it and we just didn't. But if the fleet manager knows that's their role, that's their job, then they'll stay on top of it. And the roles can change. And I talked to couples about having relationship business meetings about your relationship at least once a quarter where you, and most most of the couples I work with do it weekly or monthly, where they sit down and they go over to-dos. They, they create Google Docs where they keep an agenda of what they're going to talk about. You know, are we satisfied with the roles? Do we need to make any adjustments? You know, what's coming up that we need to be aware of? What's working in our relationship and what's not working? You know, have we hit our key performance indicators to know we're making progress? Or are we, have we back, you know, kind of slid backwards and we want to make sure we stop it before it becomes a problem. These are important because most couples, again, you know, and and my husband and I are not experts at this. We try really hard because I think that's the best you can do. But when we're in the middle of life, sometimes, you know, I'll walk by him in the kitchen and it's like, I haven't seen him in three days, even though we work from home. But I'm like, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. That doesn't count as real check-in. It's like, when do you really sit down and say, how are we really doing? Because if you don't do that, it can go three years and then all of a sudden couples are in a crisis. That's not good.
0: I love the framework that you threw out. It reminded me of this situation with my partner. We had been talking and he had kept expecting, I think it was something with the cars and he had kept expecting me to do it. And we've been together for 20 years. So he's been taking care of the cars for a long time. And I think he was rebelling a little bit. he's like, take care of your own damn car, you know? And I I had said, that's not my wheelhouse. That, that's your wheelhouse. Like you're you're the car person and I'm the, this person and this person. So without your beautiful framework or context, I kind of alluded to that. And he said that he said something clicked for him. And he's like, Oh, that's really helpful for you to say that because right. now I kind of just see it as, as my job and it, it sort of shifted something for him. And I no longer have to worry about anything having to do with the cars. Exactly. So I guess he is our fleet manager and I'm very happy that we figured that all out. And, right. but there is something in the phrasing and the wording that does make a difference in your head as you think right. about it.
2: Right. And the, the only role that I caution couples about establishing is a CEO the CEO has like over, you know, big oversight in charge of everything. And I don't, I haven't found many couples that function well with a CEO in the relationship. The only exceptions have been sometimes a couple has established a CEO, maybe when the other person, for example, a a couple I worked with, um, the wife developed cancer and in their relationship, meaning they decided he needed to be the CEO and be in charge of everything because they were, she was fighting for her life. That made sense to me. I worked with a very uh, traditional couple from a different culture and their cultural background was that one person was the sole voice. I'm not going to argue that if it works for the couple, great. If it doesn't, then that's where revision comes in and evolution comes in. But typically in in The majority of relationships, CEO doesn't have a place. Other than that, lots of really, lots of titles can come up and help delineate and clarify every person's wheelhouse, to use your word, Chrissy. Absolutely. I'm
1: so curious about a couple things. One is do you consider what we had just talked about as the main cognitive behavioral strategy that you use with your clients? And then my other area that I'm really curious about is how did you develop this model? It stands out. It really does. And so I'm just, those two things, can you talk a little about that
2: before we move on? Yes. With couples, this is what I do. This is the sole way I help couples. I'm very clear that this is not therapy. I did therapy for enough years that I wanted to do something that was proactive, concrete, and didn't dive into the past. I tell couples all the time, we can't change the past. So from the minute we're talking, nothing in the past can be changed. I clearly screen out couples that are in some kind of clinical crisis. So addiction, infidelity, um, significant uh, death of someone significant in their lives, abuse, those have no place for couples coaching. But other than that, this is how I approach it with, with couples. With individuals, when I do my executive coaching work, predominantly with female leaders. It is using cognitive behavioral strategies to make their brain their allies rather than their adversaries. So much of what we do is it's not just mindset. It's knowing how to really control our brain's responses. Sometimes it's literally at the level of an evolutionary response from our amygdala and other primitive parts of our brain. And it's having concrete strategies based on data and research and cognitive behavioral research to really make sure, oh, I can use that tool to make sure I am performing the way I wanna perform. I can use this tool in combination with this other tool. So I'm going into this meeting the way I want. So that's what I'm talking about when I do cognitive behavioral. That's my, that was my training in clinical psych, was a specialization in cognitive behavioral therapy. And I've expanded it, so now it's not about therapy, it's about strategy and how we can use those same things, not to deal with clinical issues, but to actually have mental wellness so that we are performing in our optimal way. So those are the, the, the relationship and where are the cognitive behavioral piece. I use a lot of those individual strategies with couples, but it's embedded within that business framework model of marriage, LLC. And how I got to it was just an evolution. The more I talked to these female, I, I credit them all the time. They're the ones that came up with it. I just kind of organized it. Because I would talk to them, and, and inevitably, when they were there to talk about their careers, of course, their relationships would come into play or their roles as, as parents. And my frequent question to them would be, well, how do you communicate when you're having a difficult interaction with one of your direct reports? What communication skills do you use? And they'd be able to list it off. And I'm like, why can't you apply that with your partner? And they'd just be like, no, it, it, they'd fight me. You know, it's different. And I'm like, why is it different? well, you know, that's, that's, that's my husband, or that's my wife, or, and I'm like, but how is that different? So I would just keep pushing back. Or, you know, when you're trying to organize your team, how do you do it? Why couldn't you apply that with your kids? And the more I would to do that, the more I'm like, this, we got to do business at home. <laughs> and, and it it really started to evolve. And, and the first couples I worked with were certainly my guinea pigs in terms of, okay, what, how can we really make this into a unified approach but now it seems to be uh, really well re- received with the couples who are open to thinking about their relationship differently than how society tends to get us to think about relationships.
0: Absolutely. I, I love the business analogy for a relationship. It's spot on. Nice. Um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. As I was researching you, I stumbled across your books and I found myself really drawn to them. I think it might stem, I'm a former high school teacher. So there's something about the adolescent age that speaks to my heart and and gets me, I don't know, geared up for things. So you have a book out called Voices from the Village, Advice for Girls on the Verge of Adulthood. And correct me if I'm wrong, you have another one that you're currently working on or is it out now?
2: Uh, I have a children's book that's out. I have uh, the the one I think you're referring to is I'm currently working. The glass ceiling okay. one is one I'm currently. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Voices through the glass ceiling: advice for young women on the verge of their careers. Mm-hmm. So both of these topics so pertinent, so important. I, I see adolescent girls and the transitions that they are going through, and the questions that they have, and just all of the things from society that they are navigating, and it is overwhelming but I would love to know from your perspective what drove you to work on these books why did you feel
2: these books were needed that's a great question Chrissy you know as a mom of four the two younger ones being daughters one day I, I remember, and they were young, I, I can't remember exactly how young, but middle school at, at at the oldest. And I remember thinking, you know, at some point, they're not going to want to listen to their mom. Like at some point, there's going to be that pushback. And I get that. That's a normal process in the developmental phase. And, you know, I have some amazing women in my life or had amazing women in my life. And I kept thinking if I could just like harness all of their knowledge to give to my daughters in those times that they don't want to hear it from mom, that would be great. So it started with a survey that I put out to all my relatives and friends and said, Hey, one question was all it was. What advice would you give to the girls on the verge of adulthood? That was it. And I just sent it out and they got so excited about it that they're like, can I send it on to friends? And I'm like, sure. Great. Yes. And so it ended up traveling the world and hit at least a few, you know, several ways. I knew Scotland, Mexico, uh, the UK, but I started getting information back from strangers who would just send in their one piece of advice. And I got so excited about it that I put it together in a book and I got rejected from every, every <laughs> publishing house. And I stuck it in a drawer for a year. And my husband, who is my best friend and has been long before we were married, one day he was like, whatever, what did, what did you do with that? And I'm like, oh, everybody rejected me. He's like, okay, why'd you write the book? Why'd you put out the survey? And I said, for our daughter's. He's like, then self-publish it for our daughters. And if they're the only people that read it, you've achieved your goal, which just about melted me. And then he also bought me Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is a phenomenally inspiring book. And so I did. I published it on Amazon and I gave the copies to my daughters and to our sons, because one of my really intelligent friends said, this is good for everybody, not just girls. And I said, you're really right about this. And that's where it stood and then the more I thought about as they got as the girls got older like okay now they're entering a whole different experience of being a female in society what can I garner from some really amazing women that I know who and maybe more who could give advice around careers Um, which is a frequent conversation I have in my networking groups and my different you know with my different clients like what do I wish I knew when I was younger is basically the premise of that book so my daughters have read it I've gotten feedback from other women, sometimes people randomly email me saying, hey, that really meant a lot to me or to my daughter. And and I just love that.
0: Kudos to you on your persistence and not giving up, because I know that can be disheartening to have rejection after rejection, but you held on to it. And kudos to your husband and your relationship and that support there. I absolutely love that he encouraged you to self-publish and was just that support system for you that is absolutely beautiful and also an- another star recommendation for big magic because a very good book absolutely love it mm-hmm. and how cool that you got advice from all over I yeah, love I love really the nice. cultural aspect to that too I bet you can really suss out some differences there
1: this conversation with Dr. Buckley was fabulous I really enjoyed it and I'm really interested to hear if you have a takeaway from this conversation.
0: Oh, so many takeaways. Absolutely. I think my favorite from part one of our conversation, it really goes back to her framework for a relationship. I love that A, she mentions it's not a Disney or Hallmark movie because that's something we talk about in our house all the time. It takes work. And I absolutely love the context of looking at your relationship from the perspective of a business, because it just makes sense. We, she says, we plan so many things and yet we don't plan in our relationships. And it's true. And you have to plan in a relationship. You have to know your roles in a relationship. You can't just wing it. If you're going to make it last or really, like the, the things that we see in Hallmark and Disney movies of happily ever after and magical, you know, rainbows and stars, and it's not true. It Happens for a little while, and you might have bursts of it here and there, but to be a long term sustainable relationship, it takes work and effort. And that really stuck out to me. I love her framework. It really did. It stuck out to me too about how we go
1: into relationships not having plans when we go into the rest of our lives, really having some sort of a structure or plan for what we're hoping to accomplish. I also like how she talked about having a mission statement. I would never have thought about having a mission statement for my relationship with my partner and how you could have a business meeting. You could actually have a business meeting about your relationship with your partner. All of that was
0: really once a quarter. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. And and think about sitting down and having that conversation with your spouse about what your mission statement is, really delineating okay, we prioritize fun or we prioritize communication or authentic connection or touch or whatever the case may be, but being on the same page, that makes a big difference as to what is the most important thing to the both of you in your relationship. So I definitely loved that too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One other thing that I took away was her explanation of how she applies cognitive behavioral work with her clients. And she says that she helps to teach them ways to control their brain's responses by having tools. I felt like that was wonderful. We all need tools and our split second response to something is not always beneficial. So having that toolbox that we can go into and being able to control our brain's responses is very beneficial.
0: Absolutely. Be sure to have a listen to part two of this conversation, which comes out next week. And we're going to have an in-depth conversation of Dr. Buckley's TED Talk, which just hit the TED main stage. And also a fabulous conversation around raising our kids, having an open line of communication with them, and really making sure that we are creating a relationship with our kids that is open and honest.
1: And ways that powerful women can step into their power, be a model for their children and still create work-life harmony. It's a very fun conversation.
2: High
0: five, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us to so be the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We
1: always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.